Welcome to season 2 of Madhuring, a podcast that explores Indian mothering through true stories. I'm Veena Hari, a mental health professional, a feminist, a mother of an almost 4-year-old, and founder of Bhavati Foundation, a not-for-profit that works on reproductive mental health in India. There are so many things I wish someone had told me before I became a mother. But the true mothering stories of Indian women are rare and hard to find. This podcast hopes to bring these stories together. We ask some uncomfortable questions about the way things are around mothering today and find some unexpected answers through the rich and varied life experiences of our guests. So grab a cup of your favorite beverage and get comfortable for this heart to heart and find all joy and some tears in these true stories. I hope you find the story you need to hear. Have you ever worried about the conversation you had while your child was still in the room, wondering if they heard? In today's episode in the same room, our guest Nishavita Iyer takes us on a very interesting journey. She talks from the child's point of view. Today we talk about some very difficult questions like regret for parenthood and the harm that parents may unintentionally cause their children. Nishavita has a very unique vantage point in this discussion and the amount of thought she has put into each of these questions will give you so much food for thought. This episode is called In the Same Room not just because we're talking about the conversations children overhear but also because this was the first episode I recorded in the same room with my guest and for that this is a really special episode for me as well. I really hope you enjoy the many questions this episode raises. Hello and welcome to our podcast Nishavita such a pleasure to have you uh, how are you feeling today uh hi this is exciting i have always thought of a opportunity where i get to have a very intellectual and uh, slice of life conversation with you and uh, today seems to be a very opportune moment and thank you for having me here this is uh, it's going to be fun can't wait Yeah really happy to have you as well and uh, I'm so um, glad you agreed to do this although you are in uh, about to be married <laughs> in what less than about a month actually so yeah this is a, a very exciting time so it was also interesting for me that uh, something like something this exciting as such an interesting project came up my way and uh, i uh, i'm always looking for an opportunity where say to uh, flow the gray gray cells and the intellectual juices so in an honest conversation i would rather have it with you cuz it's so it seems seamless i mean your your stuff before this has been so good uh this i mean it's a privilege truly to be here today thank you thank you so much i'm so glad you heard our previous episodes <laughs> okay so just for the audiences i'm going to quickly introduce you tell them a little bit about you um um our guest today is nishavita she's 31 and she's had a very interesting uh, non linear career path as she calls it in the past decade uh, she's got a postgraduate degree in communications and journalism and after her education she's collected experiences from marketing aviation and software technology not always as a writer but sometimes gathering valuable life lessons as she says um, one of her most favorite sayings is from psychologist dr thelma bryant she says one of the biggest lessons in life is being 
able to distinguish between the stories that other people have created about you and the truths that you come to know of yourself. I love that quote, Nishavata. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think when we talk more through this episode, a lot of this will come out in terms of, I think this is also one of the larger themes that we're talking about Absolutely. today. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And like I said, uh, on a more personal note of how I know her, uh, I think she's the closest thing I have to a sister. <laughs> Yay! And I'm glad. I mean, you're one of my elder sisters always for life. So this is, uh, I mean, this to me right now is, uh, I'm just so excited. I, I got to contain myself for the benefit of other people right here listening to us. But um, yeah, one of the most brilliant people I can be happy and proud to call my elder sister. So thank you. Thank you so much. So yeah, it's kind of a mixed um, feeling to have you here. Mixed in the sense of I almost feel protective of you as you're going to have this interview. So, you know, uh, just before the recording, she had a concern that I may ask her some curveball questions. <laughs> so I assure you that's not happening. <laughs> well, uh, you've, well, you've always asked interesting questions and the the fun part about having a conversation with you is that you get to really dive deep into yourself to really draw the best answer the challenge is always the challenge is fun it's 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 uh, daunting but it's also fun and i think this is a kind of uh, projects that give me a good high so i'm happy here <laughs> i'm happy to be having this conversation and uh yeah excited to, to dive forward so moving on to the next question um what was your earliest understanding of motherhood um as a child what did it mean to you and what does the word mother even bring to your mind Okay, so um, this is a loaded question. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to answer this. But uh, when I was thinking about this question, I kind of decided that I'm going to take a different angle. Uh, I know we speak about motherhood on this podcast a lot. And yes, we need that definitely. But I'm going to try and uh, answer this question from the point of view of a child or the impact uh, that motherhood has on a child, I'm, I'm, I, this is just a, this is just a individual take from a point of view of a child, and uh, I'm gonna give my best. Okay, so here goes. So most of my, most of my opinions about motherhood was formed in my adult life. Although, like many children, many other children, I collected insights from a very early age. Now, this might be slightly unorthodox, but my first experience of trying to unfold the meaning of a mother figure was uh, like opening a Pandora's box full of anomalies. My findings did not make sense to me as a child or even as a young teen, but it was extremely clear to me that I had to separate the role of the mother from the person playing it. Now, I wondered two things. Do people playing the role of a mother have a sense of self? And does the person playing the role of the mother identify themselves with it now these are not necessarily two separate questions but therein lies the perspective i uh, run the risk of sounding a little esoteric and uh, this might also be a very unpopular opinion but as i grew up i came to realize that we've glorified the role of the mother to a point where it's counterintuitive and toxic today the role of the mother is like a never-ending list of constitutional amendments. It's so exhaustive. I don't think anyone actually scores a full hundred on the ideal mother test unless she's like the almighty goddess. Here's my, here's my thought. 
on a primal spiritual and scientific level the natural role of the mother does possess a certain amount of power influence and responsibility especially during birthing and early cognitive developmental years of the child however this primal role is certainly insufficient in the overall construct of society and i'm sure you may want to know how uh my opinion is that her primal roles are layered with the complexities of social demands where women's agency is converted into social capital and she's carefully subjugated into performing other roles through the trope of the mother think about um all the times when we look at a mother figure and say that's the job of the mother do we really uh, step back and think is that just the role of the mother or is she doing a lot more than that to many women i mean at least back in the day when i began to rationalize what is a mother it meant to me that the woman has to forget her sense of self as early as the age of 20 25 30 35 and sacrifice herself to her children and her family till the end of time and it's not cute i'll tell you why it makes a lot of women feel inadequate and i cannot blame them any human in their position would feel the same simply put there's this ridiculous pressure this expectation and shame of failure that mothers have to carry alone the truth is many countless women fail at being good mothers leaving this herculean trail of generational trauma in their wake and this rarely rarely gets spoken about without a doubt one of the major reasons they fail is because society has failed to support them in performing their duties in modern society especially hyper complex ones like ours where gender roles are altered if not diminished the role of the mother should ideally and i place a lot of emphasis on the word ideally has to be shared between every man every woman and every social institution because at this point it's fair to say that there is an idealistic expectation of what a mother should be have we ever thought why we cannot hold ourselves to the same level of perfection that we expect from a person who is a mother expecting a mother to be a living breathing multitasking goddess is just as ridiculous it is setting them up to fail and then shaming them for it yeah that's that's so powerful and you know i couldn't agree more um to all of the things you said um it is rot it is very um paradoxical almost um the way we view the mother and the way we expect uh her to do the things and you know selfhood sacrifice i think these are some very important themes important ideas um tell me more what what else are your views on this so you're absolutely right right as an outsider and as a non mother i don't like that people openly admit to motherhood being a thankless job while doing nothing to change its effect i mean i'm sure it's easy to say motherhood is is not a chore i hate to say it but to many many women it is the sentiment of being a mother can only get you so far if people are able to express that sentiment through tangible action then those performing the role of the mother will automatically feel inadequate i i'll come back to this so so kind of bear with me yeah i totally i totally agree with what you're saying and you know um i'm glad you're also talking about and we're beginning to talk about um uh 
where you're placed in this whole thing and your point of view uh, and why it's really important. I think the fact that you are coming at it from an outsider point of view perspective is really significant. It's very important because uh, the way you see things, it probably is harder for someone who's caught in it to see it like that. They they would have a different point of view. Uh, again, not more or less significant, but a different point of view. And kind of those add in to mean and build the whole picture. Uh, right. Uh, having said that, I think it's this also so much pressure for mothers to not say uh, bad things about the child, you know, uh, it reminds me and you know, I, I, I often talk in Instagram reels and you know, I've, I've stopped fighting it. I think it's just the time we live in. <laughs> we should just talk in reels. Uh, and there's this reel that, that there's a reel that says that, you know, it begins by saying ominous music playing. If you uh, are a mother and you're complaining about the work it brings uh, because you chose this uh, and then you know that the, the music changes and it's like then I totally support you because motherhood is hard <laughs> that's uh, oh man that is so true I think it's um I think it's very important that people to differentiate between the bliss of being a mother versus the, the 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 job that is expected because I don't think that's just a mother's role I mean that's you're expecting a so, okay, imagine, for example, how certain corporations overwork people, call them slackers for taking a break on weekends, and then expecting them to stick to the job. Okay, these are all people who at one point were actively looking for the job and were glad to have it. Now, this is, I'm, I'm, I know it's not the best of correlations, but bear with me, right? When when people want to be mothers, and you know, let's say in this example, there are people who want to actively look for this job and are glad to have it. What happens? Their intent to keep the job is lost because the expectations are way too much. I mean, that's how corporations end up with quiet quitters, by the way. But um, mothers cannot quit, can they? The hidden truth is that many mothers do. Some brazenly and many others silently. After generations of trauma and patriarchal propaganda, there are some people who turn into those that only want the power that comes with being a mother, but want nothing to do with the responsibility of being the mother. Now, these are a certain type. I'm not saying this is the case with everyone. We, but in these cases, we cannot solely blame women for this. In fact, the behavior is a classic trait of patriarchy. All power, no responsibility. Have you seen that movie, uh, Jayesh Bhai Zordar? No, actually I haven't. It's a it's an interesting movie. You'll, you'll like it. It's a very different take. Uh, Ranveer Singh is in it. But what's interesting is also that you should watch the character of the lady who plays his mother, this actress, uh, Ratna Pathaksha. She's a fierce feminist and a veteran artist. But her character plays the perfect puppet to patriarchy as a monstrous mother fearful for her own survival in a conventional man's world. What I mean to say is that in this insidious hot mess, we have an innocent party that suffers the true consequences, and that is the child. The same child society hopes will grow to pay taxes and vote responsibility one day. Responsibly one day. Right. Uh, no, I absolutely love that. And I love that connection uh, between, you know, when we talk about... Uh, even for the area of child development, right? We talk a lot about how 
children develop their cognitive stages what's good for them etc uh, but we completely keep the mother's uh, mental health out of this conversation and it's actually one of the biggest factors that influences uh, you know and not just the mothers the caregivers mental health on on the child uh, right and what do we do for facilitating the playing of that role right so i absolutely love that you bring up this difference uh, and i'll just add another layer to it which is that when a mother expresses or wants to express the difficulties that come with managing so many things the usual response is oh but you should be grateful you have a child what has that got to do with gratitude absolutely what does that have got to do with gratitude if i say that you know there are x number of tasks to do uh, in the day uh, that has nothing to do with uh, the love and affection you have for your child and i cannot absolutely. tell you absolutely agree with you on this and i cannot tell you the number of clients who've come to me with that guilt that how can i admit this is hard that would be like admitting i don't love my child it's interesting i mean this is uh, you know um hey i've always actually wanted to have a casual conversation with a shrink and this is so interesting right because being a mother has nothing to do with uh, you know doing a job description and i think this job description doesn't add up like it's uh, look to me personally the concept of a mother implies that these people filling the role of the mother are human beings and human beings are primarily flawed and for whatever reason they are crowned with this great responsibility whether they are ready for it or not at this point some might wonder but what about abusive mothers or neglectful mothers or toxic mothers with undiagnosed psychological issues do their misdemeanors even get evened out because you know they're they're human and no and as you correctly said the role requires in fact people need to go to therapy period so no they don't get a hall pass for being uh, for not being responsible for their for themselves you know like mothers like men and other individuals are imperfect they are expected to do the inner work required to build a healthy and a safe space for themselves and their children men and families are most certainly supposed to support child rearing by partaking in the establishment of a safe and a nurturing environment The role of a mother is not a one woman job. Many women and bless their hearts make wonderful mothers. The proof is in the pudding. Their children love and accept love abundantly and graciously. But the sad truth is that not every family is emotionally or resourcefully equipped to rear a healthy child. Forgive me for saying this, but I think motherhood is not always for everybody. Even if they have this potent desire to have a child, I think it I think it takes real inner work to become a parent which many many people just refuse to consistently do they think about the generational traumas and how hard they are to break if those fulfilling the role of the mother don't break it their children will be forced to take over making them the black sheep or scapegoats of not just their families but will expose them to so many life threatening situations outside of the family right absolutely I agree with you on you know all of this and you've basically packed dense uh, psychology textbook theories <laughs> into a beautiful flowy um, context you know uh, and i i hope that helps cuz i'm just i mean that's how i view uh that's how i view it like in the sense uh, i think when you say motherhood is supposed to be this blissful i i think it's harder than that very uh 
closes and teaches sort of picture. So that's where I'm coming from. No, absolutely. And I love that you bring in, um, uh, it's not just you talking about, well, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. But uh, you've thought it through and you kind of reflected on, well, what then? Yeah, so here we are and all of us, all of us as individuals are flawed. We have areas to work on, uh, you know, areas we're good at, uh, good days, bad days, yeah. all of those, you know. Uh, but what what is important and what stands out for me in this conversation is that uh, there is a need for and a scope to do the inner work, to take the responsibility, accountability uh, and, you know, the generations of stuff that's been going on. Uh, you know it's it's not easy to come to a point and own it it's also like doing the work for like two or three generations uh, absolutely I think that's it It gets harder in a in a time where uh, you know we talk about mental health so openly but we don't really have the courage to go f- head on like that kind of work is transformative and you really got to shed every ounce of ego you have and that is generations of ego, all right? And it's not going to be easy. And uh, there's nothing wrong in saying that I, I messed up, but people are so... Well, forget about the people who say that, hey, I messed up. But then there are thousands of other people who point a finger and say, well, look, you messed up. And I think that's the problem, right? And, you know, um, this just as an offshoot, right? While we're talking about, now in this case, uh the glorification of motherhood, right? Like where we expect the mom to be a super mom of sorts. And I, I hate, I hate that. It it literally drives me nuts. I feel like it is so unfair to women. I'm looking at women my age who are like 30, 31 and who've had kids and I see them manage, I mean, million things. And I'm like, this is, a, this, is I'm, this is, they're so short of a complete meltdown and I think that's it's not pretty it's not funny and it's 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 dark and it's there's nobody there to support them in their journey so what this this came to me about a year ago I thought about it I said I looked at a couple of my friends who are mothers as well and I said um, I want to take a moment here and bring up Mother's Day celebrations right uh, especially social media branded messages and retail messaging uh, the perspective is twofold on one hand I ask you this what is with this superwoman trope. And why? Why do people think it's true? I mean, there are these brands literally out there portraying the mother with multiple hands, nurturing, cooking, cleaning, feeding, caring, and so on. I mean, songs and jingles that thank her for being there for everyone, despite herself. I mean, I'm willing to bet that there are mothers out there who hate this trope. They must be thinking, is that all we're good for? you know, housework and proving that we can do a job, feed a baby, care for the ill and elderly, be the perfect wife, all the while looking like a Vogue fashion model and not considering that we may have our own ailments, our own moods, our own issues. You know, I wonder if we have considered a possibility that many women dislike this kind of branding because somewhere they may not have achieved this level of perfectionism or in the offside. Is is this kind of messaging a subtle reminder of what they aren't and what they need to be? I think of the children who view their mothers and these mother figures from their from their vantage point, right? Like, are you a mother to me, or are you a mother to the whole society? Because it's these kind of kids that get projected upon the hardest, right? 
right absolutely and you know just to interject and add to that uh, this whole idea of mother as this thing that amalgamates into one maha mother for the whole country uh, you know i always the way i ask this question uh, especially when i talk to people who are maybe not yet uh, on the journey of parenthood or parenting uh, and to illustrate this concept and the the problematic area that you're bringing up which is you know the melding of the person with the mother and you know um, almost in a sense that you have to let go of your selfhood uh you know in different ways of course i'll have i'm sure there are many who argue you no know, it's not true anymore etc etc but uh to them i always ask this question um can you tell me what other things your mother likes and i'm not talking about superficial stuff like favorite color and favorite food can you tell me what are her wishes and aspirations for herself the hard one the hard one i'm sure for a lot of people i mean uh yeah that's a good question you know uh when i think back i think i've been in in a, in a way i've been pretty lucky like i have uh, my mom's been uh, she's been an, she's shi- shined a lot of light on opinions and the importance of having one right and uh, she set the example so if you ask me do i know stuff that my mom likes on a on a on a, on a lot of ways i i kind of do i don't know how deep or how well i would answer this question but yes it definitely goes beyond her favorite music or her favorite movies or the type of books she likes to read and god forbid the damn crime books and mystery novels i swear to god drives me nuts but that's how that's interesting right because i observed her and she was vocal about those opinions and i i joined the dots i i said okay hey this is who you are this is what you like and this does not this does have nothing to do with the fact that you're my mom it just means that that's who you are you like reading i don't know david baldacci you like watching i don't know like delhi crime like it drives me crazy but hey i mean i'm going to i'm going to take that as you you're my mom i mean you're who you are and this is different from you being my mom you know what i mean so look i mean i'm okay with there could be people right there could be women who are tepidly appreciative of having that one thank you card and flowers on mothers day and you know like it's an earnest lowball offer i mean i think this is the kind of um, this is the kind of problem that glorification of motherhood brings in you know we remove we remove the human out of the mother and then there is this other perspective does it occur to people that mothers day is a lot is is can be difficult for a lot of people out there i mean when we glorify this this day with a singular style of messaging what what are we playing at it's like uh, when the world is busy monetizing the role of the mother now as if glorification isn't bad enough i see the remnants of of people who silently keep their head low on mothers day and i can only imagine how hurtful it might be to be so excluded you know because mothers day i mean there are so many there's so many ways to look at it for different people right there's there's mothers who've lost their children there are those who've lost their mothers there are those who have strained relationships with their mothers you know uh there are there are those who have chosen not to be mothers or those who are trying to be mothers you know it's it's a lot and this kind of this kind of uh, glorification and this kind of singular style of messaging is nothing less than like you know it's it's toxic 
I mean, the power of a mother in general. Now, if I have to really summarize my point on, you know, the mother figure, right? The power of a mother is placed on such a high pedestal that I personally think it's really, really unfair to the mother herself, right? In my eyes, I learned very soon that expectations from the role of a mother is possibly unjust it's a socially engineered construct and on many occasions it was visible to me that what society says a mother is and what a mother should be simply just doesn't add up in real life right absolutely i love that and i love that you bring up uh you know and i i, I think of uh, uh a here and her talk on the dangers of having a single narrative uh, right and what i think your point has done beautifully is brought up that there are many ways to experience motherhood and not all of them are this cliched hunky dory almost romanticized relationship right uh, i mean i can think of so many tropes you know from maa ke haath ka khana what about mothers who don't cook you know or uh, maa ka aachal uh, you know well i wear pants what what's what's happening there uh, you know and all of these things and that's that's kind of uh, i think the implied um, challenge with this language culture is that it is it is pretty exclusive in that sense because it leaves out some experiences that we don't or we're not comfortable talking about uh, and i want to talk a little bit about this you know uh, the space of the yearning to be a mother i think that's such a sensitive space right and i can just imagine how triggering that can be for someone right i i read this definition sorry talking instagram again uh of uh, what is the definition of uh, infertility is wishing your friend congratulations when they conceive and running to the bathroom to cry you know and we don't even think about that perspective and unless there's someone who's been in that point of view and i think that's what you do beautifully in this you know uh, entire sharing well uh, yeah i feel like i feel like uh, this kind of um well singular way to look at it it implies that it is mandatory to have a pleasant experience with motherhood and uh, i don't i don't think that's the case uh, and this goes in more ways than just the person who's a mother or the direct person that is being affected right but uh, yeah i think uh, society really needs to <laughs> widen the horizons i guess what can you say right i love that line <laughs> uh i love that line it as if it's mandatory to have a pleasant experience with motherhood i i think that's so that says so much without saying much yeah. and i think i love that uh but yeah let's let's get personal for a second Okay. <laughs> what do you have? What do you have? Let's hit me with your best shots. So, tell me about you. Do you want to be a mother? Did you know that you wanted didn't want to be a mother? What's what's your jam? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know, uh from from when I was old enough to form an opinion on this matter, whether emotionally or intellectually, the answer was always no. uh but the answer kind of shifted to a maybe from a no when i met uh, my fiance and i fell in love and uh, that's a highly okay look this that's a highly emotional space because 
thinking of having a child actually in my in my opinion needs to have clear thought and pragmatism but you know but the fact that you i'm desiring a baby is like a sweet indicator that i finally found the one true love so i guess uh, i guess we're on a maybe right now let's keep it that Aww. way <laughs> yeah yeah keep doing you have one more month for this shenanigan all right okay <laughs> Okay, so no, but on a more uh, on a more rel- on a more relevant scale, um, I want to point out that we are all mothers, right? Every man, every woman, every human in this world, we are all mothers. And guess to whom? Our inner children, the inner child. And I want to take a pause for everyone who's thinking about this right now. But the inner child has been with us for so long, and depending. on your society and your upbringing the inner child has been wanting for proper parenting we owe it to ourselves for caring for the inner child first before caring for another child if our inner child is not loved accepted and treated well there is a chance that the inhibitions and fears of our inner selves will spill onto our children or our future children It's why I think working on oneself is so very critical. Giving the inner child a voice and a good focused listening to means that we will be able to provide the safety and the love and the acceptance an actual child will need. And I'm of the strong belief that I have to reparent myself uh before I parent another child. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for bringing in inner child into yes, my favorite the, subject. My favorite subject to the conversation. Yeah, and I mean, rightly so. It's such an important uh, piece, such an important concept. And uh, while I work on this theme a lot with a lot of the clients, reparenting is really the core of what we try to do. And it's 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 I I always call it it's a life's work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you. you can't i mean and to anyone who says you got to be a perfect version of yourself before you enter a relationship or before you become you know a parent or you know any anyone who is dating right now and some douchebag on freaking bumble comes to you and says you need to figure your life out well no you don't he needs to figure his life out or she needs to figure her life out or they need to figure but the truth is that inner work doesn't stop you know it you don't you don't you you have to accept the flaws and that's the that's the part that gets really hard right so uh you accept the flaws and uh, you you kind of make space for you know getting better and that's the wheel in motion right absolutely i think that's so lovely and i kind of want to share a little bit of a personal experience here this whole i think being a mom for me has been my own crash course in reparenting yeah. uh, i've done it before you know i've been in therapy for a long time before i had my son but um having him and having that body experience uh, for lack of a better word where it's like out there and you know you're doing it i learn so much of how to care for myself by watching how i care for my son and it's very hard to care for yourself i mean i don't know if that's the same for you but i think most people i talk to that's like the core thing you know to make space for yourself and to kind of care for yourself 
uh that's a beautiful point very beautiful point and most people think self care is a vacation or a staycation or a getaway or like a coffee scrub spa in your bathroom every sunday i i mean i'm guilty of that but that's not the end of a self care self care can get ugly and you got to be okay with that too because self care does mean therapy it means confronting your shadows it means accepting your shadows it means evolving transforming shedding the skin of the ego and uh, that is self care and it's not peaches and roses man i i i really wish i i don't like those pseudo mental health like toxic positive go- like those guys need to take take a vacay for real like i don't know what what is up with that you know inner work is ugly and self care is also ugly but the results of which which is life right it's that's the blissful experience and you don't you don't judge or you know stop whether you don't get you don't judge yourself for you know tripping a rock once in a while it's okay <laughs> absolutely and uh, i i absolutely love having a uh hashtag #selfcare ranter <laughs> co ranter amidst my myths yes. because it's my favorite rant ever uh when you know um and sometimes the, the unfortunate thing with that is it it seems like distraction Oh that is a mistake. Self care is so much focused work. I can't imagine how I I don't think people take time to actually sit and be okay with their own presence. You know, I I know so many people whom I love a lot who are so uncomfortable with their own company. And I'm like uh you don't get distracted with your phone or your laptop or put on music or television in the background. Being alone is not the same as uh staying with yourself. it's it's so many i mean there's so many levels to it i'm not going to bore people with that right now maybe for another episode of somebody more interesting but uh yeah no i i think you're right 100% right, right and yeah absolutely so i mean although i mean we won't go into that but um let's let's try and come back to what we are talking about um did you feel like you had enough space to question the need to have a child Oh uh, okay so um this is again one of those questions that i you know i really gave a lot of thought to yes i did but it uh, it really mattered to me how i came up with my conclusion so i'm a single child uh, born in the 90s grew up with working parents and i spent a lot of my time with adults because i had no siblings right and my parents would socialize a fair bit so i'd always tag along right surrounded by adults a lot so i noticed uh, that motherhood was a topic that kind of just uh, took place in pockets of discussions throughout my childhood and my growing years and what i noticed was that it was loaded with comparisons everyone would talk about you know motherhood through the lens of their daily lives you know comparing motherhood techniques or motherhood woes or spouses or children etc you know on on a complete side note right uh, i'm going to take a quick side step here and tell you that one thing i have learned and i know for a fact and i can personally uh, advise moms as a non mother is that if you're going to talk about your kids in front of them in front of your kids just know that they're they're they know what you're saying about them right they're paying keen attention and they may not know the words but they can pick up on your emotions so just just putting it out there right oh my god such an important point i'm so glad you bring this in uh, and you know just to interject i'm so glad you're talking about 
all of these questions the perspective you're bringing from the point of view of the child is so important and yeah i completely agree uh you know in psychology we have something called the cocktail effect that's in a crowded room even if a lot of people are talking together uh, when someone says your name that sound will make its way through your brain first you're kidding <laughs> yeah it's called the cocktail effect that's insane so that's probably what uh, that's what gets me when uh, i mean for the benefit of people out there my nephew uh, calls out my name so perfectly which happens very rarely even when grown adults right <laughs> it's so it's so annoying but uh, yeah he he definitely caught my attention over a salad bowl and a more adult conversation because he just said something so perfectly right and it makes sense you resonate right yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> so what are you talking about even when we're uh, you know uh, mindlessly talking about our child or you know just mumbling trying right. to mumble um even if a, a snapshot of a, of their name or something they know uh my son is barely 4 and you know uh he has this uh, very i mean i find it cute of course i'm the mom way of saying what are you guys talking about so cute yeah that's legit look he's a smart kid for sure but look that's what i mean right all all children and especially kids uh his age right uh they're listening all right and if you're going to be comparing your kids to other kids very young in life their quirks their habits you know even how they make you feel please know that they're listening and it affects them look in my time maybe it's you know it's maybe our time right <laughs> maybe no one really none of these adults really thought to filter their thoughts before they spoke about their children before them but but the cues that i picked up on uh suggested that i was a bit of a burden now you know of all the good and bad messages that came my way that's that one you know that that stayed consistent and the woes brought upon the role of the mother was so much that i wasn't helping by being the way i am right uh i'm going to i'm going to illustrate by what i mean right so i i don't forget i don't think i'll ever forget the story because it's it's kind of burned in my system right i was probably like 7 or younger uh when my mother got off the phone in a huff she was really angry so i was concerned she saw me and you know immediately shared with me how upset she was with the phone call and she had learned that a family member had gossiped to a mutual friend about me her daughter can you believe it you know my mom exclaimed she actually said and i quote um the mother is bright but i cannot say the same about the daughter and this is something that my mom heard somebody say to a friend of hers right and i remember at that moment you know time just went still i remember being so immediately ashamed my mother then of course she said uh, we'll never speak to that auntie again and yeah that's not true because after a point i don't really know if their dynamic changed but i know that they remain friends till date or they remain connected till date but for me at that moment i remember going totally numb you know somebody thought to compare me with my mother and somebody thought to say oh the mum is very bright but the daughter is not and i think that had a multiple level effect right today when i view that scene from a from a rational perspective right the assumption that i can make is that my mother was too consumed in her own anger or shame for her to have reacted that way you know ironically i recently cross verified the validity of the story you know because i was young you know sometimes kids uh, they 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 get stories mixed up but my mom did confirm this and she said that why would you care about something that happened so many years ago and the, you know 
it's not like I care about what happened so many years ago, but that moment is not something I would like to dismiss, right? Because I remember it. And the reason I remember it is because at the time, I didn't have a chance to soothe my own feelings of shame. And there was no reason for me to be shame but there was there was feelings of shame immediately i was consumed by this overwhelming feeling of shock and shame for disappointing my mother now i didn't know what to do because i think this is the first time that i was shamed by somebody outside the family i remember urging my mom you know asking her ki who is this you know who said this and i remember i was like what seven or younger but after much hesitation and a warning you know that i'm never to repeat this you know, to anybody, especially that auntie. My mom said that, hey, this is this is who she was. And I was I was shocked. I was shocked because her son and I were playmates and we sent and we spent a lot of time together. And I remember calling him my bigger my big brother. You know, like me, he was a single child, but unlike me, and I want to point out that I was aware of our differences even then. You know, unlike me, he was a multi-talented overachiever. He studied and tested well, especially in mathematics, a subject I'm awful at, right? His parents were strict, but highly supportive of his academic and co-curricular endeavors, especially his mother. I recall uh, how she convinced my parents to enter me into this uh, classical violin, you know, uh, violin lessons. I also remember literally running i i remember physically running away from the introductory class because i was too sensitive to the sound of screeching violins and this is true i'm sound sensitive right so in comparison now because the topic of comparison is such a such a strong hold in motherhood and the subject around motherhood i i know i probably did pale in comparison to this this boy and many other children and perhaps my mother she felt the weight of this on her shoulders. I'm certain that it's a cultural thing with collectivistic societies or Asian societies, you know, generally speaking. But incidentally, I was always reminded that I'm lucky as a child that I did not get pushed into these million tuitions and hobby classes and competitions and these other things that other mothers would force their children to do. That is factually correct. However, it appeared to me that whether I was lucky or not, it is possible for me to have been disappointing. I was surrounded by paradoxical statements, you know, babysitters, teachers, relatives, parents would all seemingly suggest these paradox paradoxical labels the whole time, you know, and I was never quite sure how that helped, you know, labels like quiet, but aloof, never fall sick, but a fussy eater, obedient, but lazy, disobedient, but malleable, academically weak, but great at languages. From a standpoint of society, right, my mother would have been the person who would have to handle this paradoxical feedback, unless she was giving it to me herself. In the end, in the end, I was never rationally uh, able to illustrate, or it was never rationally illustrated to me whether it was truly her responsibility alone that I turned out this way. And I say I turned out this way in quotes, right? Jai, thank you for sharing that. And I'm so sorry that happened. Yeah, I don't know. I think when I was trying to answer this question, this, uh, this story was a little untold. I don't think I've ever brought it up. It's been what? I don't know. 7 minus 31. Somebody do the math. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So somewhere a few years yeah. ago, uh, that's enough. But yeah, I mean, uh, 
it sounds hard to have gone through and you know the way you narrated it you really just took us there and why i i love that we're bringing this into the conversation because this is such so if we look at the lens of the child point of view this is such a central theme and experience for indian children right this comparison what i what i jokingly call sharma ji ka beta <laughs> the guy will not let us live man that yeah look you know it's horrible and i got to tell you i don't think it's a battle that mothers are fighting or singularly it's also kids and they're fighting it through the lens of approval for their own from their own parents which is a given you know it's a freaking given why would society get in the middle of that by setting these crazy pressures on mothers and children anyway but i'm trying what i'm trying to say is that what i'm trying to say is that like you said you know sharma ji ka beta i mean these are like million such million such incidents right like the one that i narrated where ideal mothering was questioned through the actions of the child and we as a society are quick to do that you know such as question someone's upbringing depending on the things that they say and do no one no one acknowledges the child's agency or its experiences as an independent sensory body you know separate from all the training that it is receiving from its community and sadly society has treated a uh, child rearing like a means to an end to continue history or use as an extension of the ego and the self it's it's highly highly dangerous and therefore in my opinion uh, society has never been reliable um in its expectations from the mother role you know like i said before to me messages i received about what ideal mothering should be it was very conflicting and i wouldn't actually see mothering ideals meet reality on so many levels so i refrained from really forming a very concrete opinion about motherhood per se i realized that these women including my own mother would have been under so much pressure to get things right that sometimes they were burdened by their own standards of perfection i can say that some of these women grew up in societies where motherhood was demanded of them whether they were personally ready for it or not as human beings i could tell that some of these women when they failed at something would blame and project a lot of their shame and their failures on their children and that is what the child ends up carrying upon itself for life now to uh, truly answer your question on my aspiration to have or not have a child you know uh this has been a topic that i have had to really go through in my head a million times because because of my stance right because i was such a hard no right um and it gave me enough time even now as i'm getting married to really think about it on multiple levels and one of the things i mean that i came to ask myself and i had to i decided that i'm going to ask parents this question is that why did they decide to have children and i i got to tell you i am so disappointed that not a single adult including my own parents have had a good enough answer however all the answers pointed towards three reasons that people you know three reasons why people have children now I just want to put it out there uh once again that these are just my personal views but from my understanding of things whatever it might be these are the three top reasons why um people have given me for having 
for having children to begin with, right? So the first and the most common one is that uh, people birth children so as to continue their legacy. You know, this one's very common. We hear it in sentences like, the family name has to go on or who will take care of the business except my own child? I mean, these ones are dipped in patriarchy, right? Which treats both the mother and the child as a product to forward its own ideals. The child is treated as an extension of the ego and a personal agenda. I'm sure you've heard uh, uh, the Russian president announced last quarter that he will pay Russian women 15,000 USD to have 10 children and repopulate Russia to aid its military. I mean, of course, he, didn't, he probably didn't say it this directly, but apparently that's what the news articles say. And I think this, ex this, this example in itself, it speaks in itself, right? It speaks for itself. The second and the most common uh, reason people have a child, um, from what I've understood, is to fill a void in a relationship or their lives. Now, this reason is conveyed in sentences like, a child brings you closer to your husband and your wife. Or, pati patni ke beech mein pyaar badta hai. Or, when you have a child, you'll never feel alone and you'll look forward to so much in life. I don't know if you want to confirm this or not. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm just like wagging my head because uh, one of my favorite quotes about um, what having a child can do to a marriage is, it's like, so imagine you are in a cage and you feel like okay whatever it is but you figured your stuff out uh it's it it rattles the cage like nothing else so it questions and challenges your relationship with your partner changes the dynamics so definitely i don't know if that is what they mean by double inverted comma pyar badta hai. <laughs> so so that's a hard no right look that's that's the point i'm trying to make i mean you have this kind of messaging and in messages that says that hey you know you you use a child or a, a birth of a child will fill a void in your life is is not I mean you know it is what it it's, it doesn't fit so in these families the effect of this reason evaporates pretty quickly right and children are left to emotionally fend for themselves these families encourage early maturity in a child you know, uh, sentences like you're young you should be more understanding and flexible are said to such children you know it is sentences like these that take away complete responsibility from a parent and shifts it onto a child. In my view, such children are often found in families where parents have a dysfunctional relationship and their relatives and outsiders are enablers of family dysfunction. The last and the rarest reason I hear, uh, but has the most insufficient rationale. People want to have a child simply because they have this burning need to be better parents than theirs ever were. It comes out in simple sentences like, I feel ready to be a parent. Uh, this is a little, I mean, I cannot question the intent of this reason without causing offense to people. But a uh, quick question, who else is going to, who else is a child going to experience parenting from other than its own parents? certainly not as grandparents unless it's it's circumstantial right so often we hear parents saying things like you know um back in my day if you did what you did i'd have been i'd have been beaten up or you know punished for this kind of demand or behavior but let me ask parents this right how does it matter what your parents did if the reason you brought a child into the world was to be different from them in the first place right is it okay and I ask you, I seriously ask you this, is it okay to induce fear 
of a hypothetical situation unless your intent is to simulate the same behaviors onto your child then how how are you any different thanks to this many children end up living very complex versions of the similar experience you had if not the same right bringing a child into the world to fill a void in a relationship or to continue the family legacy does not acknowledge the fact that the child has agency of its own i don't claim to know the answer to this either but uh, the day i change my mind to have a child i will have to definitely look further than the reasons that have been passed down from generations along with a cesspools of intergenerational trauma right thank you for uh, that i'm going to add a couple of more reasons to these because um yeah i think all three of them resonate uh, i work with a lot of individuals who are either child free or are considering to be child free or are kind of fence sitters and trying to figure out uh and a lot of these come up uh in terms of uh, you know and i think it's very significant what you're talking about and by your experience uh is so valuable here because when as especially as a female you make a statement like i don't want to have a child <laughs> i don't think anything else in, is ever as scrutinized as that is uh yeah i mean uh you know i'm yet to reach that phase in my life i mean i know i'm in the age but you know because of uh, the phase i'm in right now uh i don't think it's really put onto my head immediately i'm sure i will come across. right but also i mean although you may not have experienced it in externally people asking but even the fact that you've thought so much about it right do we have to think so hard to have a child that's my question uh <laughs> yes it's it's a very very obvious yes but uh i i do hope to uh kind of answer this for you uh in the in you know in the conversation ahead but my answer a simple answer to that is yes you absolutely need to you absolutely need to think about having a child i don't believe in any other way of doing it do you believe that you had a real choice in this free choice and is this independent of anything else in your life well uh as i was like kind of saying you know i feel like well one uh <laughs> you need to really think about one uh whether you want to do this or not right and this goes for anything significant in life in case of children ideally and i mean this i mean this in i i mean this in a more serious manner i i and it shouldn't be utopian at all at all ideally both parents should want a child uh there's a book written by nlp specialist a neurolinguistic programming specialist uh, lawrence fernandes he says that um, children usually fall under three categories the unwanted child the partially wanted child and then the wanted child just like how a uh, trauma can alter one's dna and this is scientifically proven similarly a person's feelings thoughts and experiences etc can directly influence the environment of the womb now all the pronatalists uh on the podcast sort of need to calm down uh but yes a fully formed child is already getting messages from the external world whilst in the mother's body in the womb right in his book stop surviving and start living with freedom he explains that children from all categories feel the pressures to survive 
that eventually govern them in their adult life. For example, he says, wanted children, where both the parents want this child, right? Have this need to constantly prove themselves to the world because they feel this immense pressure to live up to the parents' expectations and dreams. While, alternatively, the unwanted child or the partly wanted child, where one parent wants a child and the other doesn't, they find a need to please an important person whoever's that important person because they know that one or both parties do not want them around so the idea is to find someone who can help preserve their existence of course for those who are fearing abortion rights right now please don't uh, my advice is please do not mix the subjects up i still strongly advocate that a woman's body is her own and she should do as she pleases with it but when a woman and her partner decide to have a child the idea is to help it thrive and not subject it to your own agendas. Right, absolutely. I think that's that's an interesting take on things. Uh, and I'm just wondering, you know, if, if when there is this ambivalence that you have around this decision, um, how how do the people close to you respond to this ambivalence? <laughs> I think this podcast is going to do a serious number. So let's see what happens. Uh, all that I know, I mean, I mean, uh, my fiance, he likes me for my, he really loves me for my independent opinions. So I'm going to go ahead and share it anyway. Uh, for all those who knew of my stance to not have a child in the past, were typical in their reactions, you know, you will change your mind when you grow up. Or you'll be such a good mother or simply, you know, that, hey, you should absolutely have a, ch you should absolutely have children. Like, what do you even mean? Uh, my response to, my response to these people is that I ignore them. <laughs> what else can you do? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's never um, a pleasant conversation. And, you know, in one of the recent episodes, we were talking about uh, consent or rather the lack of it in talking about uh, other people's reproductive lives right it's it's like public conversation or like small talk right so I, I don't really ever ask you is it okay can I ask you about what your plans are for the future yeah yeah, yeah. family planning and all we just we just you know literally barge into people's uterus and we're like hey what's happening what's happening what's happening <laughs> there, there are so many instagram memes on this and i i uh i especially love uh you know people with a fierce view on the independence and the privacy of the subject i don't think i don't think it's a coffee table discussion and it should stay that way there are some things you should talk about and well this is not one of them <laughs> so yeah i just that's my view uh, absolutely and I, I one of my favorite responses is also um i can't believe you feel comfortable asking me that <laughs> oh that's savage <laughs> i like this yes i mean yes that's uh i never thought of this but if, if i'm ever in the situation <laughs> in the future this is definitely one of my favorite response <laughs> so yeah i think it's just you know uh it brings into uh, focus the way you've crossed a boundary without realizing it Absolutely. right uh, and it, it calls them out i think calling out is one of the most effective ways to deal with some of this but yeah coming back to resisting motherhood <laughs> if I may call it that. Uh, and like you mentioned, this is uh, a pro-natalist culture that we are in. Uh, that's the truth because the solution to everything is bacha karlo. Shadi thik nahi chal rahe, bacha karlo. Thik nahi lag rahe, bacha karlo. Depression hai, bacha karlo. 
वो बच्चे पे इतना प्रेशर है यार बेचारा बेचारी बेचारे नहीं बट दैट्स दैट्स रॉन्ग Look, to be entirely honest, I mean, like I said, you know, I'm I'm yet to. I'm not very far away from you know dealing with this, but uh, pronatalists are going to have to forgive my lack of interest in their ideals. Uh, I will have a child with me if me and my fiance, my to be husband, and I are aligned towards this goal. Uh, the permission to have a child is not sought from anyone outside of my own self. I know of a lot of successful couples who have chosen not to have children before me and I'm sure there are couples even after me who will make this choice the world will survive I am absolutely sure but while they're on the subject if society wants to reach their idealistic standards where there are these fully functional and healthy institutions and families and societies they should invest a lot of lot of time lot more money and so much more energy in reparenting their inner child the rest of it is complete and utter fluff right and you know uh, this this also ties into the thing we were talking about before about um, uh, the the new policy in russia you know i think that's what we mean by uh, the country taking on almost nationalist flavor right because yeah. it's like even in a, in india we had that history right uh, the mother is doing the duty to the country uh, by you know producing sons that can hence go to war ridiculous that's absolutely ridiculous i don't know if it's a policy in russia i know it's a, it's an option for a lot of people to make 15 usd but hey that is not that money doesn't even start to cut it when you have 10 kids i'm just saying in this kind of world economy you got to be kidding me if that's the offer the low ball offer you're willing to purchase like what even i don't know this is why people need to know economics and maths this is why that big brother from my story will probably be a great hit at this point this is people like him we need him <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh, yeah coming back to i'm just thinking also about um one stakeholder in this that we've not really talked about and that's the medical fraternity uh, more importantly um the usually the gynecologists because those are the ones you go to first uh, and i want to give a little bit of context of why i asked this question you know because uh, often um it is uh, recommendations pred- predictions i want to say prescriptions from the gynec that it put a put make a time bomb of you basically be like uh, okay uh, and uh, you know for things like pcos and stuff they be like you know what um, this is really going to this is problematic you have to like have a child and that's then used with because as uh, as a culture we place highest value on what the doctor said right yeah. so then right. that as a way to also pressurize and push into this decision what's what's your view on uh, the role that this fraternity plays in this entire space you know uh without a doubt they have a lot of power and we all we all as like at least people in their 30s maybe they're you know let's say zillennials all right at least right up to the millennials and zillennials we know that we've met some really shitty gynecs okay yeah and all i mean all these people look at one point i remember <laughs> and i i checked this doctor's rating out on uh, 
online and she's got like a 2.9 and this is a decade after I met her for the first time I met her when I was having really painful cycles and I said hey what's the story she tried to put me on birth control pills and it was recommended to my mom who had obviously taken me at the time and I think that's horrible I, I mean I'm sharing this because often they say birth control pills help in reducing pain I have no idea how that works and even if you're a doctor who's sitting there fighting the idea right now that shit makes you put on so much weight I don't ever want to ever put that in my mouth but uh you know I'm there are stories of women who've been to gynax you know how hard it is to get an abortion in a country where you can get an abortion but the shame of getting an abortion is first inflicted upon you by the gynac great doctors one of them um in fact even narrated a story to me where she said uh, I encourage that women need to know about their bodies women need to know about their laws and their freedom she taught people this and she said you are entitled to go to the counter and get that medication you don't need anything else and i'm like oh that's brilliant you know so the role of gynax is is important and they really need to lose use it well and primarily they need to use it well to first and foremost reduce the kilos of shame women carry on the daily simply by being empathetic to women patients okay i'm sure there are experts who will articulate this extremely important you know uh, work that gynax do their role in women's healthcare but what i want to emphasize is the mental trauma is directly proportionate to the burden the sexuality of a woman carries and i feel that you really you really need to get this as a doctor there is just no uh, there's no other way especially if you know that there's a cultural um the cultural infestation on the subject you know what i mean yeah absolutely no absolutely um and uh, totally agree with you with the bad uh, examples but also definitely the good doctors uh, and i think it's not just the individual doctors themselves but also what it means to look at this through a medical lens um the the common example i often give over here is around the biological clock oh that one is i that's 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 terrible uh but i i got to be honest with you i mean i'm i'm marrying and i quote i air quote this pretty heavily uh late as per societal standards right i'm 31 now <laughs> i don't want to add the one but hey, <laughs> reluctantly uh, added reluctantly one reluctantly adding the one right <laughs> but you know it's uh, it's it's absolute bullshit because now if i had to go by the biological clock factor i'm doomed right i need to have had a child you, you needed to start yesterday yeah exactly <laughs> my yesterday was 6 years ago and i got to tell you that's ridiculous i i i mean from a scientific point of view uh i i'm told that well some uh, certain body types or certain genes have the ability to procreate uh, later or later on in life or conceive later on in life while some some don't and i i wouldn't want to comment on this but i don't agree to the pressure of the biological clock being a factor for why you need to have a child that's ridiculous 100% yeah no i i bring it up also because what that does is it it narrows and tunnels down the options for a woman right so uh, to to add the perspective that of course now there are uh, some more options with art and you know assisted reproductive technologies right. and some other options uh, i know a lot of friends around my age uh, 30 i mean i'm 33 but some who are 35 37 who are freezing their freezing eggs freezing eggs right i've heard of that i've heard of that that's apparently that's a, that's a very good suggestion for people who are 
willing to have children much later right and exactly for something like this imagine how important it is to be with a gynec who doesn't be like abhi abhi kar lo bachcha versus sits you down and be like here are your options and here these are the things that can relieve you some of the anxiety pressure that you're feeling without a doubt i mean uh, i know it would be helpful if i at this point went to a doctor and she said something so helpful definitely i completely agree with that right so coming back to you know also this choice uh, that we're talking about uh, of course you've already shared some views on this but just to um, drive it in a bit more so do you think the chi- the choice of having a child is it really selfless or is it more about our own ego desires needs this topic of egos desires needs fears is my favorite right cuz i'm totally battling that's my that's my spiritual yeah. war yeah <laughs> uh not to say i'm perfect okay just putting it out there but to answer the question of is it selfless i don't think it's selfless it's uh, i don't think it's selfless at all i mean look at all the lame reasons people have cited to have a child okay none of it is simply because they want to birth a child with the promise to let it be its own person we have so much attachment to our children and i i mean this from an egoic standpoint right and i don't mean this just because you're trying to keep a child safe and protect it not from that standpoint i mean it i mean this from the point of agency we deny children agency and we act as if it's a big deal if we give them their agency you know it's uh, it's like that scene from dil dhadakne do by the way one of my old my my also my favorite movies i don't know why i like it but feel good factors right uh where farhan akhtar and rahul bose are exchanging words over how bose's character and i quote lets women work and acts as if women need men's permission to do what they want for themselves i mean it is your job as a parent to step in and guide the child to their own truth without and i emphasize without coloring it with your own biases i'm sure uh, i'm sure this is utopian by today's standards but nobody has died giving this a shot just saying <laughs> i like that you're not at all um um what do you say politically correct may i say <laughs> with your views uh and you pretty like uh, um, no points for guessing which side you're on so <laughs> uh, i didn't want to do that today today was a promise of being as and like uh, well polite <laughs> <laughs> no you're being very polite but i think your opinions are shining through which i think is the spark in the you know uh, the uness in you is coming if if i may say I if i may quote dr swiss himself <laughs> the uness in you is all out there <laughs> i i don't want to uh, get into trouble for saying this but hey uh, i'm pretty sure i'm voicing i'm pretty sure i'm voicing the opinion of a lot of people who've just uh, you know hey man kept it in themselves and well if a lot of people haven't kept it in themselves and it's just one person's opinion i again no one has died from hearing it so screw that <laughs> <laughs> i love that yeah so yeah okay so coming back to resisting motherhood uh, and women who resist motherhood here's an interesting one that um, actually is 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 you know uh, difficult to even say in the same sentence for some people and that is motherhood and regret these two words in the relationship uh, you know what is your take on it it's probably was probably the toughest question <laughs> uh, i'm sure a lot of people on your podcast have had to answer but from where i'm standing this is a very tricky well uh well firstly regrets suck 
and <laughs> i am personally not a fan of collecting them but let's be real man we all have regrets anyone who says otherwise is a propagandist of toxic positivity okay this uh, yolo life and uh, it's just grow up you know <laughs> as adults now this is what i this is what i want to kind of emphasize on as adults speaking to other adults why can't someone regret becoming a parent as long as this regret is not expressed in front of the child or expressed in front of children why can't it be acknowledged by another adult what is this entitlement on parent or parents agency i mean just because somebody can birth a baby doesn't make them eligible for the role of a mother and a parent i mean i've discussed this before it's 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 better said than not said because children of such situations are punching bags and scapegoats and they have deeply unsatisfied parents okay even as a parent who's currently choosing to rear their child shaming their regret uh, is stupid however it is an awfully expensive regret to have uh in such a case i can only assume that the sympathy of society has probably been divided between the mother or you know or the parents and the child and often uh, people support a child in the situation because it's not the child's fault that it was brought into this world you know i stand by that it is not the child's fault that it was brought into this world that should have been a very well thought out this you know a uh, decision but is shaming the parents for their regret going to help the child it's not i mean so the regret is regrettable but it should be and i say this again i i think it should be allowed for expression in the presence of adults and in the non presence of children i still think that people who want to be parents need to cater to the, their own selves before becoming parents they need to assess a lot and like you know like their mental their physical their financial health raising a child is is not for the unprepared and and by unprepared i mean that you you we have to be different from those who cannot separate themselves from their agendas and from their children we have to be different from those who barter unconditional love and affection we have to be different from those who are manipulative toxic and believe therapy is only for mentally diagnosed we really have to be different from these people if we want to be good parents if we if we don't want to regret being who we are you know as people first and then as roles right that regret is unfortunate but you need to well look check the room check the room see if the kids aren't around you know like yeah and uh, oh right and uh, yeah well people people who really battle this they, they really should wear contraception <laughs> like there we go there's the sass <laughs> that i was talking about <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah totally agree totally agree to what you're saying and um yeah you've given us so much to think about is that right i am excited then to have added value hopefully i did <laughs> absolutely did and there's just so much to think about you're so passionate about some of these ideas you've thought about it with such depth you express with such nuance and beauty Uh, thank you i hope to be a good storyteller someday <laughs> you are you already are thank you uh and i'm so glad you did this i i know this whole and you know 
I just love the things you've said without actually saying them. Stuff like this that gets me into trouble, right? But uh, you know, you I recommend highly recommend. Uh, if you haven't read this book, you should. Uh, Robert Greene's Laws of Human Nature. It tells you so much about um the said and the unsaid, and how the unsaid is actually louder than what is being said. And FYI, kids, they get the unsaid so much more than what is being said. So yeah. Really, really, you got to be so aware of yourself and not just the words because only adults buy into this lip service crap, right? <laughs> Kids don't. They can see what you're saying and if it doesn't add up to your actions, that is just, <laughs> that is, uh, well, that's therapy waiting to happen. A huge <laughs> therapy bill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. And, you know, um, I know this has not also been easy for you. And I also want to add that it's, you've not taken this lightly. And I wanted to appreciate that, that you've given a lot of thought to every question. And I feel so, like, just enriched by this whole experience. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a more um, detail-oriented uh, and focused guest on here. So it's been a pleasure uh, to have, to see that, uh, almost dedication and passion to the entire topic. Uh, and I, I'm just so glad that uh, you did this. Well, uh, that's a lot of compliments. I'm going to be <laughs> flying for several days, especially when it comes from you. But uh, the reason I, I thought about this so much is because I'm not in the position of any of these people, right? I'm not a mother right now. I'm no longer a child. I'm not in a institution that demands me to have an opinion, right? Like marriage yet. I'm there, almost there, right? Almost there, but not there yet. One month to go. One month to go, yes. But it it made me realize that since I'm in none of these, uh, these standpoints, I can't be uh, flippant about my, my views, right? I, I have to have some done some research. So yeah, it was an absolute pleasure because you asked some really interesting questions and it demanded that I really put my you know my thought into it and it's been great because uh, I've had this chance to uh, chat with you so yeah this has been superb thank you thank you for coming on thank you so much Nishavita thank you so much Veena this has been great